Willkommen, bienvenue, and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Groundhog Day. Set a wake up. Happy Groundhog Talk of a How many days oh, is this? Oh, I'm no good at science. <laughs> you know, you lose up to 80% of your body heat. But first, how are we doing? I hope this episode finds you well. I want to take this opportunity to honor the birthday of Patty and Patty's partner's baby. I want to say happy birthday to that baby. We, of course, are not releasing the official birthday of the baby. The baby's private information is the baby's private information. But I have seen, I have seen the photos of this baby on their birthday, and I was over the moon to see this chubby, chubby Pillsbury Toeboy baby dressed as, I, I hope I can do this justice. The baby is dressed as a party hat. I don't know where Patty and her partner found this costume. It is truly delightful, but the baby is dressed as a conical birthday party hat. That is the outfit. The baby's face is sticking out through the top of the pyramid shape. <laughs> I'm not doing it justice. I am, I'm looking at the photos now. I am... <laughs> I am over the moon. I am dancing with the cow who jumped over the moon. I just, I'm so grateful to know that Patty and her partner and their baby are safe. I hope that you are safe as well and that you have photos of babies or photos of cute animals or music or really anything that brings any level of comfort and stability to your life. I am really just clinging to that sort of thing right now, and I think we all need to be using that as a life preserver. So happy birthday, baby! <laughs> That's what I say to you, baby. Happy birthday, baby. And now, oh, without further ado, we are going to get the show facts for this week's musical Groundhog Day. Show me the show facts. Okay, Groundhog Day was a 2017 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on April 17th, 2017 at the August Wilson Theater and ran for 176 performances. The book was written by Danny Rubin, and it was inspired by the 1993 film, which was co-written by Rubin and Harold Ramis. Rubin also has a story credit on the film's 2004 Italian remake, E.G.I.E.R.I. It's already yesterday, a.k.a. Stork Day. Sure. The music and lyrics of Groundhog Day were written by Tim Minchin. Stephen Sondheim actually flirted with the idea of adapting the film into a musical, but by 2008, he had stepped away. Here is a quote from Mr. Sondheim, quote, To make a musical of Groundhog Day would be to gild the lily. It cannot be improved. Quote, That's an interesting statement, isn't it? <laughs> 
Maybe we should keep that in mind moving forward. The director of the original Broadway production of Groundhog Day was Matthew Warkus. The musical director was David Holsenberg. The choreographer we have two, Peter Darling and Ellen Kane. Scenic design, Rob Howell. Lighting design, Hugh Van Stone. Sound design, Simon Baker. Costume design, Rob Howell. And the original Broadway cast included... Andy Carl, Barrett Doss, Heather Ayers, Kevin Bernard, Andrew Call, Gerard Canonico, Rayumi Crenshaw, Michael Fatica, Rebecca Falkenberry, Katie Garrity, that's the Broadway debut of Katie Garrity, I should say, Taylor Eamon Jones, another Broadway debut for us, Tari Kelly, Josh Lehman, Raymond J. Lee, Joseph Medeiros, Sean Montgomery, William Perry, Jenna Rubai, that would be the Broadway debut of Jenna, John Sanders, Vishal Vadia, that's another Broadway debut, and Travis Waldschmidt. And as always, I do apologize for any rank-ass mispronunciations on my part. Tony Nods. All right, Groundhog Day was nominated for Best Musical, of course, but it was also nominated for Best Book of a Musical, Danny Rubin, Best Original Score, Tim Minchin, Best Leading Actor in a Musical, Andy Carl, Best Choreography, Peter Darling and Ellen Kane, Best Director of a Musical, Matthew Workus, and Best Scenic Design of a Musical, Rob Howell. So, seven nominations, zero awards, Bupkis, goose egg at the end of the day. The protagonist of Groundhog Day is a big honking jerk of a weatherman by the name of Phil Connors. Phil, along with his cameraman, Larry, and producer, Rita, is sent on assignment to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania to cover the town's annual Groundhog Day ceremony. The broadcast goes off without a hitch, though this does not prevent Phil from complaining. He is not a fan of the town, the residents, or their traditions. As a reminder, Phil is a jerk. While having lunch at a diner, Rita and Phil learn that every road out of Punxsutawney has been closed due to a snowstorm. They won't be able to head for home until morning, which means staying at a bed and breakfast overnight. Phil is predictably annoyed and goes to bed filled with resentment. Don't worry, Phil. Tomorrow is another day, except tomorrow isn't another day. Phil wakes up to discover Groundhog Day has begun anew, and he is the only one who seems to notice. When he wakes up at the B&B a second time and finds Groundhog Day has begun yet again, Phil tries to explain his situation to every doctor in town. Unfortunately, none of the doctors are technically qualified, and their holistic solutions prove ineffective. What do you do when you have nowhere else to turn? If you're Phil, you wind up getting trashed and rested alongside a couple of townies. Phil falls asleep in a prison cell and wakes up back at the B&B. Groundhog Day has only just begun. At this point, Phil experiences a disturbing yet thrilling revelation. Nothing matters when you're caught in a time trap. You can get away with anything. With this in mind, Phil cons a local woman named Nancy Taylor into sleeping with him. As a reminder, Phil is a jerk. He then proceeds to try and seduce Rita by stockpiling information about her. Her life, I should say, but every day ends in disappointment. Oh, I didn't get to fuck her. Uh, you can't trick your way into Rita's pants, Phil. As Act 1 comes to a close, Phil finds he has transitioned from confusion and elation to sheer dread. Act 2 begins with Phil shooting the Punxsutawney Groundhog and himself. This event kicks off a series of successful suicides, each one ending with Phil waking up at the B&B. Phil eventually breaks down and confesses everything to Rita, who is understandably skeptical. But Phil does seem capable of predicting everything that happens in the town, and so Rita comes to accept his story. 
She agrees to stay in his room to see what happens when he falls asleep, but winds up falling asleep herself, mared! Phil drifts off, unwilling to wake her. Over the next several days, or years, or centuries, depending on how one tracks such a timeline, Phil does his best to better himself and the lives of others. Some of these experiences are beneficial and enlightening. For instance, Phil learns how to play piano and comforts an old classmate who has been grieving the loss of his wife. But good intentions can only take you so far, and Phil is heartbroken to find he cannot save the life of a homeless man, no matter what approach he takes. Some outcomes, it would seem, are inevitable. Phil starts another day in Punxsutawney by getting in front of the camera and delivering an impassioned speech, one that blows Larry and Rita away. We're blown away! When Rita arrives at the Groundhog Day buffet that evening, she's amazed to learn that every resident of the town has benefited from Phil's good deeds. On top of that, Phil is playing piano? What? As a member of the town band? <laughs> Who is this Phil? Who is he? The night culminates in a bachelor auction, and Rita successfully wins a dance with her co-worker. The dance ends with a kiss, and they wind up spending the night together. Prepared to face yet another Groundhog Day, Phil wakes up to find Rita is still in his bed. He is no longer caught in a time trap. And even though his greatest wish was to leave Punxsutawney, Phil finds himself exploring it with new eyes and Rita by his side. He is, ostensibly, no longer a jerk. For the purposes of this week's subject, I listened to the 2017 original Broadway cast album, and I also watched the 2017 Tony Awards performance of the song Seeing You. Let's be real for a second. The Tony Awards are a promotional vehicle for plays and musicals that intend to run on Broadway for as long as humanly possible. And when the cast of a musical performs to a television audience of millions, that is meant to serve as a sneak preview for anyone who is A, planning a trip to NYC, and be unsure of what shows to invest in during their stay. Tony nominations and wins place a show on someone's radar, but it's the broadcast performance that determines, very often it determines, whether or not they buy a ticket. Unless they're watching clips from Good Morning America or the Today Show or the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, this is likely the best chance you will have to show off your wares. The Groundhog Day performance is completely baffling, a total miscalculation on the part of anyone trying to sell the show. Imagine you're a fan of the movie and have zero reference for this new adaptation. You hear the title and think, oh, Groundhog Day the musical, sure. I know Groundhog Day, huge comedy, very funny. I bet the musical will be funny as well. Can't wait, let's go. Newsflash, Seeing You is not a comedic song. It is preceded by exactly one quip from a supporting character, but once the orchestra kicks in, we are firmly in the realm of an artificially sincere Hallmark movie. You want jokes? Eat rocks. You want an attractive set that doesn't remind Jonathan of his seventh grade production of Guys and Dolls? Chew on rocks. You want strong blocking? Do me a favor and gargle on rocks. Andy, Carl, and Barrett Doss are going to stand in profile while everyone else waltzes about a mile and a half upstage. Deal with it. And, if you think it's weird how we're spoiling the final moments of a two-and-a-half-hour show, here's a suggestion. 
Partake in a four-course meal of pebbles, boulders, gravel, and stones. All I'm saying is, if you aren't willing to stage a condensed version of the show's day one, two, three sequence, thereby showcasing the repeating structure everyone and their mother associates with Groundhog Day, then maybe you shouldn't bother showing up at all. This choice is ridiculous. Might as well say this right up top. Final thoughts be damned. I am not a fan of this week's subject. Groundhog Day is a tonally disjointed slog, an indulgent piece of theater that either has no idea what its audience wants, or does and simply does not care. It's also unfunny, frequently amelodic, and boring. I'm all for Tim Minchin experimenting with different musical styles and tooling around within a familiar piece of IP, but as that Mr. Belvedere lookalike famously stated while introducing Leslie Uggams in front of the Washington Monument, it has to be good. And Groundhog Day is not good. Let's begin with the overture. What is going on with the overture? The first half sounds like we're about to settle in with dirty rotten scoundrels until it morphs into a noisy ball of maniacal jazz. Then, after floating through a wind tunnel for a few seconds, we slam headfirst into the second half, which is essentially School of Rock meets the Tower of Terror. Yes, I'm definitely in the right headspace for Groundhog Day the Musical. I'm not confused or annoyed at all. Great job, Tim. I can tell I'm in capable hands. I was born in a Punxsutawney dawn at sunrise on a sunless day And I learnt me a saying That folks round here always say You can curse, cast spells or cry Offer your prayers to the unfeeling sky The spring will arrive when the winter is done And if it's not tomorrow Then tomorrow or tomorrow There will be idea what There Will Be Sun is doing in this show. I paid to see Groundhog Day. I'm here for a musical comedy. I can't believe that for the purposes of this episode, I've become the stay in your lane and give the people what they want guy, but come on already. What is this? This is supposed to represent a small town in modern day Pennsylvania? Like, 
No, incorrect. Does Tim Minchin think Pennsylvania is populated with sheep farmers who emigrated from Ireland? Punxsutawney cannot be a peaceful Celtic fantasia and a goofy hive of Americana caricatures pulled from Mad Magazine. I cannot swallow that pill, Tim. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought we'd open this adaptation of a Bill Murray comedy with a hymn. Everyone seems to like that come-from-away show. Surely its style will work for us. Now, I love how that's my version of Tim Minchin, who is Australian. Thank you. Yeah, happy Groundhog Day. Lumpy bed, ugly curtains, pointless erection. Dried flowers, damp towels, no reception. Shallow talk, deep snow, cold fronts, big rears. One diner, one bank, one cop. The question on everyone's list. Do you think Bill will see his shadow? I mean, what's not to like in a quaint little place like this? Who doesn't dig a crocheted pillowcase like this? Watercolors of bucolic vistas painted by octogenarian spinsters and all the people just getting together for relentless analysis of the weather, their dumb superstitions and vacuous chat. I'm sure there was a pack of Xanax in this jacket. You couldn't pay me to stay here one more night. I swear that there is no check you could write that might tempt me to stay and wake up in the morning in. There's nothing more depressing than small town USA. And small don't come much smaller than Punxsutawney on Groundhog Day. The show's day sequence, day one, day two, and day three, tracks Phil's initial descent into and recognition of the time trap. We'll be focusing on day one, as it is by far the strongest segment. Day one sets a foundation that two and three are meant to riff on, but the results are middling. I'm sure the whole thing plays a lot better in person. All of my grumbling aside, Tim Minchin is certainly a confident composer, and I admire confidence. He goes all in on crafting an enormous soundscape for Punxsutawney, one that satisfies his penchant for chaos and the expectations of a stuffed shirt Broadway fan like me. The marching band material is especially good. Credit where it's due. I have no idea how I would approach this part of the show. Establishing Phil's original route through Punxsutawney via music is an enormous task, and Minchin pulls it off with flair. However, and this speaks to an issue I have with Minchin's solo act, we're lingering on certain beats for far too long. I don't need four minutes or so of Phil whining about Punxsutawney before he even leaves his bed and breakfast. And on day two, I don't need three minutes of Phil making fun of radio personalities. Anyone who is remotely familiar with Groundhog Day wants to see Phil in the town, interacting with the locals. More of that and less foot shuffling, please. Or just, you know, trim this shit down 
trim. Trim it down, Tim Tim. Timmy Tim Trim Trim. I have a degree. That's nice. In alternative therapy. Okay. Took an online course for a week or two. Maybe we should. I think we should begin with a nice bit of Reiki. Reiki. Unblock your chi. What's chi? It's doobie doobie tra la la. It's holistic therapy. What does that mean? It's energy. Vibrations and something magnets and doobie diddly pop pop pop. Now piss. What? Piss. I just piss into this. I don't have. I'll analyze your isotopes and something something quantum quantum. I'm stuck. I'm just. I think you're allergic to gluten. Stuck. I'm. It's like I feel like I'm trapped in a loop. Like I'm unstuck in well, time. Well, I think cutting out gluten I'm is the smartest solution. Fine. Better a diet of soup. Soup. Made of rhino foreskin. I think I've lost my mind. How about? I can't seem to find my way out of. An enema. What? Would you like an enema? Existentially, I'm. Essentially, I'm. Organic teas. Animas with friends like I don't even know if I believe what I'm saying. This guy is clearly nuts, but he is desperate and he's paying. Statistically, he might as well be sitting home and praying for all the good that I can do. I don't have a freaking clue what I'm doing, though there are things that we just don't know. It doesn't mean you shouldn't give giving an answer or go. sure how this will help. Just want to get to the bottom of it. All things considered, I do not care for Tim Minchin. I liked him well enough as Judas in the touring production of JCS, but as a comedian, he leaves a lot to be desired. I tried watching his 2008 concert film, So Fucking Rock, which clocks in at an astonishing two hours and seven minutes. Oh my god. I tried. I really did. His crowd work was tedious, and the songs, uh, none of which contained more than one joke, were pathologically long. The whole thing felt like an endurance test. Needless to say, I did not pass the mention test. Stuck absolutely feels like a song that was plucked from Minchin's solo act and reconfigured for the purposes of Groundhog Day. It may not technically be as long as some of the other numbers, many of which skate right past the five-minute mark, but boy howdy does it overstay its welcome. The one joke within Stuck goes like this, quote, I'm paraphrasing, but quoting myself, holistic medicine is goofy, quote, that's the joke, and I'm not going to stand here and defend holistic medicine, but after a while, I was like, Jesus, we get where you're going with this. Let's move on already. I would move on myself, but I have to keep picking at this bone, apparently. Let me get this straight. There isn't a single doctor of standard medicine in all of Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, a town that, as of 2018, boasted a population of nearly 6,000 and is not what anyone would consider or describe as a hippie commune. And every healer in this stage version of Punxsutawney is a liar who doesn't believe in what they're selling and is all too willing to bleed fill dry. There isn't a single person who actually wants to help him. Very convenient. This premise is very convenient. I mean, God knows it's easier to knock down a set of bowling pins when they're placed within arm's reach. I just don't understand why Stuck is only interested in ridiculing holistic medicine when the pharmaceutical industry is sitting right there. Whatever happened to equal opportunity comedy? Why not poke fun at talk therapy or yoga or meditation while we're here? Would that have been too much work? Say, why don't we just cut this fucking song from the show? Lord almighty, I'm officially exhausted. I have got to stop asking so many questions. Well, here I am again. The pretty but naive one. 
The perky-breasted, giggly one-night stand Is it my destiny to be A brief diversion Just a detour on the journey of some man I'm not really one for asking I'll play whatever role I'm casting We'll smile with perfect teeth If you look good in tight jeans, that's what they'll want you dressed in. Once you're known for low-cut tops, it's pretty hard to stop. It isn't easy to break free of playing Nancy. I chose to skip over Rita's act one number, One Day, as it is very much of a pair with playing Nancy. Both songs are meant to flesh out characters from the film that can definitely stand to be more complex. Rita, as originally written, may have been charming, but she was always little more than a litmus test for Phil's progress. And Nancy Taylor, from what I recall, only existed in the film so she could have sex with Phil. She was the punchline of a joke. So, yes, I'm all about digging deeper on Rita and Nancy. Let's do it! Uh, what's that? Both One Day and Playing Nancy are all about Rita and Nancy's relationship with men? Oh, oh okay, alright. Well, at least we, we tried. I'm kidding. No one tried. What kills me about playing Nancy is how it paints the character as this irrevocably broken soul. Nancy views herself as unlovable, a used-up good-time gal who has no clue how to break out of her joyless cycle. Ooh, much like the man character is trapped in a vicious cycle, her problems are much like that of the man character. Please be quiet, I'm trying to make a point. Listen to these lyrics again. Quote, I learned back in my teens, there's no point in protesting. If you look good in tight jeans, that's what they'll want you dressed in. Once you're known for low-cut tops, it's pretty hard to stop. It isn't easy to break free of playing Nancy. Quote, I'm not saying there aren't women in the world who struggle to find a substantial connection or feel shame for not living up to or breaking free from expectations, be they self-imposed or dictated by a system that generally hates women. That pain and confusion is real, but Minchin has heightened that pain to a point where Nancy can't imagine herself buying a sweater. Once you're known for low-cut tops, it's pretty hard to stop. Impossible, one might venture. What? No. You don't know how to write for women, Tim mentioned. Is Nancy stuck in a rut, or is she trapped at the bottom of a well with a bottle of lotion and a dog? Roll this back an inch, or five. And more importantly, what happens to Nancy once this song is over? The Wikipedia plot summary doesn't mention her at all, so can I assume she finds a shred of happiness in a book scene? Please? I wouldn't be shocked if the show forgot all about her. That Nancy sure is sad. See, we know women can be sad. This isn't a show for cavemen. We respect women around here. Women and their sadness and frustration as it relates exclusively to men. Never give up
farcical disaster You play your part, you march the march You don't complain You find a way Another day surrounded by a cast of half-wit bastards Grinning masks amidst the gray And yet you stay sane And through the pain, the frozen pain of glass You strain to cast your gaze upon the path you have to tread And in your head that leaden dread The fucking roads have all been trod Guys, this sucks. This sucks. Hope blows. It's five and a half fucking minutes long. It sounds like a draft of Judas's death that's been filtered through glass, and it bored me to tears almost instantly. Again, I am more than fine with a show that drifts between distinct styles of music, but there's a not-so-fine line between eclectic and delirious. Celtic hymns, hillbilly hootenannies, and disco funk weren't enough. You simply had to make room for rock and roll psychodrama. Get lost already. The movie managed to shift from comedy to despair without going up its own ass, so what the hell happened here? I'm talking to you, Danny Rubin. Yeah, hello, Danny. You worked on both projects. You should have known better. Five and a half minutes? I mean, are you kidding me with this? Just because the show is about repetition does not mean the songs have to repeat themselves this fucking much. If I had my time again... you want to make a couple of changes regrets i'd not even have a few if i could do the thing that you say you can do i always dreamt of learning how to dance some days i go out without pants it's so exciting i slept with a joke you would have heard from that clip of If I Had My Time Again that goes a little something like this in case you glossed over it. I've slept with 80% of the women in this town from ages 18 to 84 and one time I slept with a guy cause I was bored. Hilarious. So funny. So <laughs> funny. I'm dying. I am laughing. He slept with teenagers and old ladies and a dude. <laughs> What a ride I am on. I never want to get off. So funny, so funny, so funny, so funny, so funny, so funny. Men having sex with men. I may cut you even a mountain. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> that's all I have in regards to the deconstruction of the Groundhog Day score. We're now going to get a word from our sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678. I'm so tired. Uh, 
Oh, it's too dark down here. I don't like it. La 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 la. I thought I'd bring you a nice cup of five, six, seven, eight coffee while you, you know, waste away in hell. You're in a sea. regarding Groundhog Day. Let's hope Tim Minchin knows how to write for kids because he does not know how to write for adults. And right now I am worried about Matilda the Musical. I'm going to give Matilda the Musical a fair shot, okay? I'm gonna, I'm not gonna bring my Groundhog Day baggage when we eventually talk about Matilda the Musical. All right, I'm the musical man. I know what I'm doing. Something is wrong when I wind up feeling like Grumpy Old Men the musical has a better handle on its own IP. Have I talked about Grumpy... <laughs> Have I talked about Grumpy Old Men the musical? <laughs> what a dumb thing that exists. Look it up on YouTube. We ain't playing no audio from that shit. Now, as a reminder, we have visited this season a few times. The winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical in 2017 was Dear Evan Hansen, Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> and the additional nominees from that season were Come From Away and Natasha Pierre and The Great Comet of 1812. Of course, Natasha Pierre and The Great Comet of 1812 is still my reigning champion. That is the show from the 2017 season that should have won the Tony Award for Best Musical. I have not heard a second of Come From Away. We will, of course, cover that show as well. I know that has a huge, a huge fan base. So, of course, I'm very interested and excited to eventually talk about that show. But for now, let's rank Groundhog Day against all of the other shows we've talked about here on The Musical Man. I am placing Groundhog Day at number 60 between Sugar at number 59 and Tootsie at number 61. Sugar, Groundhog Day, Tootsie, hello, you're all living on the same block. Have a mediocre block party. Have fun. When it comes to show-related ephemera, I would like to take this opportunity to highlight a few of the films and TV shows from the Groundhog Day genre, which I am defining as a narrative in which one or more people are inexplicably trapped in a time loop. Time trap! It does not count if people are intentionally traveling through time, okay? All right. 12.01 p.m., a 1975 short story by Richard A. Lupoff, was adapted into an Oscar-nominated short film in 1990 and a TV film starring Jeremy Piven and Martin Landau in 1993. That film aired on Fox a mere five months after Groundhog Day was released in theaters. Lupoff and Jonathan Heap, the director of the short film, took legal action against Columbia Pictures, but eventually they dropped the case. Lupoff would go on to publish two follow-up 
Love Stories, 12.02 p.m. and, say it with me, 12.03 p.m. That's right. There are a number of Christmas-themed entries in the Groundhog Day genre, including the 1996 TV film Christmas Every Day, based on the 1892 William Dean Howells story of the same name, Christmas Do-Over, a 2006 TV remake of Christmas Every Day, Donald Duck Stuck on Christmas, a segment from the 1999 film Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, and the 2011 TV film 12 Dates of Christmas. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. If horror films are more your speed, try Happy Death Day from 2017, its 2019 sequel Happy Death Day to You, or Haunter, the 2013 ghost picture starring Abigail Breslin. Actually, maybe avoid that one. My instincts are talking to me. Science fiction, as you covered as well. 2014's Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise and Demonly Blunt, anyone? <laughs> 2016's Ark, that's A-R-Q, the Canadian-American Netflix home invasion film starring... No one I recognize? That one looks terrible and would seem to involve intentional time travel. So actually, perhaps we should leave it off the list. Drama? We know drama. Repeaters from 2010, which is about patients at a rehab clinic. Before I Fall from 2017, an adaptation of Lauren Oliver's 2010 young adult novel. The 2017 South Korean film A Day. The Fair from 2018, which concerns a taxi driver and his passenger. And the obituary of Tunde Johnson from 2019, which is about a gay black teenager trying to prevent his own death at the hands of a cop. And if at the end of the day you're in the market for an old-fashioned comedy, you have a number of options at your disposal. Knockin', the 2000 Swedish film that was remade as Naked with Marlon Wayans in 2017. The 2007 Nickelodeon TV film The Last Day of Summer, Premature from 2014, which is about a teenager trying to lose his virginity. That one looks fucking terrible. The 2019 Natasha Leone Netflix series Russian Doll, and most recently the 2020 Andy Samberg Chris and Melody romantic comedy Palm Springs. What I'm trying to say is that maybe we should ease off of this genre for a decade or two. Like, I realize Russian Doll and Palm Springs are supposed to be solid, but we're fine from here on out. We are really fine. And please, for the love of God, do not produce anyone's COVID-19 screenplay if it's riffing on the Groundhog Day structure. In fact, here's a crazy idea. Do not produce any COVID screenplays. I could have talked about the Groundhog Day Super Bowl ad from earlier this year. Uh, I could talk about that, but I won't. I could have talked about Groundhog Day, like Father, like Son, the virtual reality video game that serves as an official sequel to the film. I, I could have talked about that, but um, I won't. To determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rogers and Hammerstein show, Charles Dickens Slept Here. Everyone ready? Then away we go! Alright, I took a few trips on the carousel just now because... <laughs> <laughs> my first ride took me back to Xanadu, and my second took me back to Sugar. That's what happens when you have a random number generator at the core of your magical musical carousel. Sometimes you revisit shows that you already talked about, but we're not going to do another episode on Xanadu or Sugar. No way! I took another ride on the carousel, and I landed in 1958. That's right, we're going all the way back to 1958. This was a nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical, and it ran 
ran for 558 performances. It is none other than Jamaica. We're going to be talking about Jamaica, baby. That's right. Oh, fantastic. This Jamaica episode will drop Wednesday, September 2nd, as I am taking a week off. I am taking a vacation. Maybe I'll go to Jamaica. I'm kidding. Don't go anywhere. Stay home. Jesus Christ. Our August 26th main feed release will be my Patreon review of the film Cats. We ran a poll on Twitter recently to determine which of our $1 a month bonus episodes was going to be released for free to everyone. And everyone chose. I believe this was a, a pretty fair lead. I believe it came down to this and our episode on Hamilton via Disney+. Plus. But anyway, long story short, that's what you're going to get on August 26th. Meow, meow, meow. A review of Cats. Now, speaking of Patreon, you should go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. As a reminder, 100% of every monthly payout is donated to the Black Lives Matter organization. You can donate $1, 3 5 or $10 a month. If you donate $1 a month, you get Monday early access to every main feed episode. You get verbal shout-outs each and every week. Let's do that now. Thank you so much for donating. David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Mark S., Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. Bonus episodes. Okay, we were just talking about these. You get bonus episodes covering the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, the trailer for the film Cats, ABC's The Little Mermaid Live, my review of Cats, again, that's coming out next week. That's going to be our main theme release. A review of the stage production Emma, a review of Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration, and Hamilton via Disney+, Plus, of course. But we're not done yet. No, we're still in the $1 a month tier. Can you believe it? You also get season one, 12 episodes of Radio Boy. A, uh, it's a sort of a personal... I always have trouble... <laughs> <laughs> selling this one. It's a personal journal-esque series. It's a confessional series, a testimonial series, for which I listen to songs that are outside of the musical theater canon, songs that bring me joy, songs that make me feel more like myself. That's how I... <laughs> That's how I've always sold it. It's a show in which I check in with myself and the songs that make me feel more like myself. That's it. <laughs> you also get access to M3, The Movie Musical Man, a monthly series for which I watch and discuss trilogies of movie musicals that are tied by a common theme. Coming August 26th, the Shiver Me Timbers trilogy, which is made up of The Pirate, starring Gene Kelly and Judy Garland, The Pirate Movie from 1982, and Muppet Treasure Island from 1996, I believe. I believe the Gene Kelly, Judy Garland film is from 1948. I've been doing a lot of research lately, so I hope I have that correct. Let's move it to the $3 a month tier. You get everything I've already described, plus a musical shout-out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing. You also get season one, ten episodes of Wildcats Everywhere, the high school musical podcast. Yeah. If you donate $5 a month, you get everything I've already described, plus you get to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss here on the podcast. It's true. You also get season one, 12 episodes of All I Ask of You, the advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera. It is dedicated to the problems of so-called musical theater villains. We look at the problems of those villains in a new light. It's true. We are currently working on producing the second season of All I Ask of You, and that is going to drop beginning October 2020. It's true. Ah, but you also get access to our review series, our Broadway and Chicago review series, and Shout About It, Volume 1, that 
is a collection of five, six, seven, eight ads and musical shoutouts from the first 25 episodes of the show. Finally, if you donate $10 a month, if you top out at 10, you get everything I've already described, plus season one, 12 episodes of The Snub Club, a series dedicated to Broadway musicals that were snubbed. They were not nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to leave a five-star review. You may also be streaming the show via Spotify, Stitcher, or Podbean. That's musicalmanpod.podbean.com. Follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Thanks as always to Patty and Benny. I love ya, Patty. I love ya, Benny. Alex Green for our beautiful logo and Zach Little for our fabulous music. Oh, well, you know what that sound means. Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh, well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, and good night. Welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Groundhog Day. Who is that? Who is that? Emerging from his burrow. Who can see today what we won't see until tomorrow? Shaman of the shadows. Bringer of the spring. Come on, is it a song?